0: to the Energy Exchange Podcast hosted by Internex, a podcast where we talk about a cleaner, smarter energy system of the future.
1: Hello, I'm Ron Chebra, Vice President of Grid Modernization with Internex, and I'll be your host for this episode as we explore the challenges and needs utilities have in developing a good foundational solutions architecture that is flexible and extensible Enough to support many of their grid modernization programs. Many leading utilities have developed and implemented an established process and methodology to help ensure their investments are done in a holistic and orchestrated manner. To provide some insights on real-life experiences, I'm pleased to introduce our two guests today: Jerry Cassarella, Enterprise Architect at PSE&G in New Jersey, and Kay Stefford, Director of Implementation Services here at Enternex. So, welcome, Jerry and Kay. I have a few questions to get the conversation started. Jerry, can you provide some insights into how you've helped pse adopt and implement
2: structured architectures? Sure. Thanks, Ron. And first of all, uh, thanks for uh, suggesting this important topic. I think it's very relevant to the things we're working on today. Um, let me first start by discussing how we view enterprise architecture. Just as you would not start to build a city without a master plan, nor would you not build a house without a blueprint, uh, you also would not want to build a smart grid and the associated component without an overall architecture. And we have been fortunate to have a formal enterprise architecture practice for over 20 years here at PSCNG. And we have leveraged uh, many of the associated artifacts, things like guiding principles, business architectures, application, data, infrastructure, conceptual design, to help us plan, design, and more importantly, integrate, uh, at first, traditional utility systems such as OMS, GIS, work management and dispatch, computerized maintenance management system. These were the systems that we were working on back in the 90s, and we leveraged enterprise architecture back then. And more recently, as we work on grid modernization initiatives such as CADMS, we have also leveraged those tools. I think without a structured enterprise architecture approach, this system would have been deployed in silos and would not have provided the full benefits now in addition to helping us with the actual implementation these artifacts have also been very useful to us to gain alignment among different stakeholders and to gain funding approval we all know how challenging it is to make the business case for these major costly initiatives so our executives are always keen to see that the team has thought about the big picture and the strategic implication of deploying these systems, and structured architecture certainly helped to do that. As an example, uh, we use uh, guiding principles to help us make strategic choices. When we first started this journey, one of our guiding principle was that we had a bias towards buying off-the-shelf applications as opposed to building them in-house. More recently, we have put in place a guiding principle of a cloud-first approach and a bias towards open source solution. So that's one example of how to leverage enterprise architecture artifacts to make sure we make the right decision. Another very valuable artifacts we have used is something we call the business alignment model. This is a tool that helps us to map the enterprise vision to the business unit strategic goals, which are then mapped to business outcomes and capabilities, which are then in turn mapped to technology investments. And by going through this process, this gives us a direct line of sight from vision to strategy to technology, and this helps us to ensure that we are making investments in the right areas. I should also mention that we have also um, participated a little bit in some of the industry forum. Uh, SEPA has a smart, grade architecture council, so I encourage people to certainly participate in that, that. They have some artifacts already created that are useful. And another thing we did is uh, we implemented an enterprise architecture tool to help us in this journey, and we've had mixed results with that. A saying that I I like is, a fool with a tool is still a fool. Uh, The main point there is that you know before just deploying an enterprise architecture tool, make sure you have the right culture in place, make sure you have a a good way to capture the data. So these are some of the insights that, uh, that have helped us run.
1: Jerry, thank you. Some very interesting perspectives. Kay, I know that you have been helping a number of utilities, much like Jerry has just described, starting at the business need and then exploring the technologies, the systems, communications, and application areas, and then applying these consistently. I'd like to get your perspective on the standard industry frameworks and what are what are you seeing across the utility landscape.
3: Thanks for asking, Ron, as leveraging lessons learned from other utilities is one of the best ways to ensure a smooth implementation at your site. So, in terms of architectural frameworks, the National Institute of Standards and Technologies Standard Grid Framework, which is now undergoing and receiving comments on its fourth revision, provides an excellent starting point for grid modernization architecture. Also, mapping to industry standards such as NIST Smart Grid Reference Architecture communication standards including IEC 61850 and the newer IEEE 2030.5, as well as to the revised DMP standard for DERs, can help utilities acquire systems at lower costs and to implement new systems more efficiently efficiently and in less time. In terms of lessons learned, it's critical for utilities to specify the standards they want in their acquisition RFPs. For example, if utilities plan on utilizing smart inverter capabilities then their system RFPs for T and D systems should include a requirement that the system support the new 2018 version of IEEE 1547. Another lesson learned is that standardization lessens integration effort, but substantial effort is still needed. For example, the use of the common information model or SIM is important. So utilities in the U.S. typically use SIM extensions, which by definition are non-standard. Using a system engineering approach during the design phase which defines first the interfaces, and then the data flows, and then continues down to the definition of each data item, requires time, but is time well spent. Following a disciplined data definition process will reduce both implementation costs and project timelines. I noticed that Jerry mentioned architecture of tools, and we do find that the tools are helpful, but as he said, you, you need to be able to be skilled in what you're doing rather than simply using a tool.
1: Very interesting, Kay. Jerry, we are seeing this convergence of IT and OT, and I'm wondering about what you are seeing within PSE&G. How do you harmonize users? I would suspect that there are some very interesting differences and commonalities among these communities. So what are you seeing happening with this convergence from your perspective?
2: You know, Ron, you know, we've known each other a long time, going back to the AMRA days, for those of you that know what that acronym is, Automated Media Reading Association. And, you know, one of the first thing that struck me Uh, when I first started to work in the utility sector, is how the business folks and IT folks seem to think they were working for two different companies instead of the same enterprise. And this was somewhat natural in the past when the OT space was engineered with mostly electromechanical devices with uh, little embedded software. But now just about every device is a microcomputer with embedded software and networking communication. So it's very essential for OT and IT to come together. I think the first step in this journey is to change the culture and educate both areas, OT and IT, on the interdependencies that they have on each other, the need to work as a team. And I think ultimately that is the only way that you know we can be successful today. I mentioned the business outcome model before. Uh, that was a valuable tool to bring together the IT and OT folks. But also, I think in addition to the changing the culture I mentioned, uh, structural organizational changes are also sometimes required. As an example, we are currently working on a vision we call Energy Cloud, which brings OT and IT under a single organization to create an open platform that supports the different initiatives we have going today. Things like connected device like transformers, electric vehicle chargers, smart thermostats, connecting a secure network layer to enable secure two-way communication. Part of that is also a microservices layer to facilitate timely and simple data exchanges. And then uh, best-in-class customer management, and then getting our solution provider and our partners to also participate in that. So instead of OT and IT going off in different directions. We're using this energy cloud platform to get those synergies. Uh, in addition to that, this is very important. We're also moving to a product-based organization. Typically, we were most companies are structured on the IT side on a plan, build, run structure. We're typically plan, build, and run, and are separate departments within IT. What we're moving towards is to have product teams that have both OT and IT competencies. And these teams will manage the work not by how it's produced, by how it is consumed by the end user and what capabilities are required by those end users. These teams will have full control of the people, process, data, and technology to support a specific business outcome. And they will also continuously work to enhance and innovate their products. And this is not a trend that we're embarking on, but it's a general trend. According to Gartner, by the end of 2018, approximately 78% of companies will be moving to some kind of product management model, including very large companies such as uh, Autodesk, Cisco, Intel, and Merckx. And for those that are interested in learning more about our Energy Cloud Initiative, our CIO will actually be presenting this at Distributec uh, in a session called Building an Energy Cloud Platform, With innovative technologies, improved process, and a culture of innovation, experimentation, and short deployment cycle. That's a mouthful, but you'll see we found that this is a very good way to bring OT and IT together.
1: So on that note, Kay, what do you see from your vantage point about what is happening with the convergence of IT and OT?
3: OT and IT convergence continues to be a pain point for utilities. One successful strategy is to use enterprise architecture to help harmonize solutions and in the process, bring the OT and IT organizations into closer alignment. For example, if the operational side of the house is using one set of cybersecurity tools and the billing department is using different cybersecurity solutions, then having the OT and IT groups develop an enterprise architecture with a harmonized set of cybersecurity solutions can help move the OT and IT organizations into closer alignment. Another key point is that the OT and IT organizations often have subgroups, and it's important to involve and seek inputs from all of the OT and IT organizations to include cybersecurity, data centers, operators, field crews, planners, engineers, and trainers. As Jerry mentioned, a multifunctional team with the backing of senior management and active participation from each of the IT and OT organizations can be used to bring the OT, these two groups together into closer alignment.
1: Thanks, Kay. I know that you and Jerry have put together a Utility University course that is being offered at Distributech 2019 in New Orleans. Jerry, why should people consider taking this course?
2: Well, Ron, first of all, I think it's because it has a great title. The course is called Practical Enterprise Architecture Tools and Concepts for Smart Grid Design. So it's a very impressive title. So if you tell your peers that you're attending it, they'll be likewise impressed. But on a serious note, the course is going to be geared to go into more details on some of the topics we've been discussing today. We just scratched the surface on the value of enterprise architecture and some of those artifacts. And as much as possible, we're also going to try to provide practical suggestions and learnings that you can take back and apply in your grid and modernization initiatives. A lot of times, these enterprise architecture tools and discussions tend to stay at a very theoretical level. We're going to try to bring it to very practical and use some specific examples to bring the concepts home the course objectives are to understand the role and the value of the enterprise architecture and system engineering specifically in developing and deployment of grid modernization and smart grid systems like ADMS that we touched on before we're also going to help the participant understand key enterprise architecture and system engineering artifacts these are the things that you'll actually produce to help you in your implementation things such as use cases architecture framework, reference architecture, and then we'll also touch on the outputs from architecture design frameworks such as TOGAF. And generally, we'll familiarize the participants with the architecture process through some interactive exercise using distributed energy resources, ADMS as an example. So I think it'll be a very worthwhile course and also very practical course for you to take back in your uh, utilities. Thanks, Jerry.
1: So, Kate, what do you see as some of the key takeaways that participants will learn?
3: I think key takeaways from the course will include understanding the key steps in implementation of enterprise architecture, as well as understanding the challenges in doing so. We'll be using DERMs and advanced DMF systems in our exercises. Thus, participants will understand the key challenges to implementing these advanced systems at their sites. Thanks for hosting and for your insightful questions.
1: And thank you, Jerry and Kay. I really appreciate your taking the time today and for providing some very valuable insights. So in summary, I heard plan, plan, and plan before you execute. Jerry, you mentioned getting executive sponsorship. I believe this is key to successfully forging forward. I also like the concept that you're promoting, which is the product team approach that looks at the entire development lifecycle. As mentioned, Jerry and Kay will be giving a UU course on practical tools for smart grid architecture design at Distributech 2019 in Narlands. There they will be reviewing and discussing the application of industry use cases to define requirements, examining the IntelliGrid reference framework, and looking at the various domains. Kay and Jerry will take these tools and will show you how to apply these to real world situations using standards based templates for architecture design. I invite you to listen in to future podcasts as we cover leveraging your AMI network for many applications beyond metering, crunching all the big field data into meaningful analytics and other topics of interest. So if you would like to suggest additional topics, please drop us a note to podcast at internext.com. And please subscribe to our podcast. We can be found on all major podcast platforms. So until next time, this is Ron Cherbra. Thanks for listening.
0: Discover more about Internex by visiting www.internex.com and join us for upcoming issues of the Energy Exchange Podcast. Internex, a Chessie company, is a leading provider of research, engineering, and consulting services to the electric power industry worldwide. Founded in 2003, the company is focused on helping our clients understand, adopt, and leverage new and emerging electric power technologies to advance a cleaner, smarter energy system of the future.